A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, welcome back. I'm Carl Mack and this is Combat Chronicles. Got another episode for you because after I recorded episode 50, which covered your uh, season this past weekend and Takaru's return at Muay Thai GP, my good mates, the uh, French hosts of uh, Abordurie, uh Luca Bourdon and uh, Baba, who have been on the podcast previously uh, when we covered the match. Long-term friends of mine, well, over 10 years now. Um, we've been colleagues, we've written together, we've podcasted together. They hit me up and said, look, we were there. Um, we covered the uh, Muay Thai GP event from the presser up to the event itself. We were at the post-fight presser. We know everything that happened. Um, and let's do a podcast in English. Let's cover the whole uh, shebang. So I said, of course, what could be better than talking to my boys about Japanese kickboxing and French kickboxing too? Uh, unfortunately, uh, Luca was not able to make the recording, but Baba did. We had a fantastic talk, mainly centered on the event. Uh, say from start to finish, The uh, there's two fights that we discussed in depth as well. Um... And some really interesting tidbits about those fights also. Um, both from... Well, I'll let Bubba do the talking. Strap in. This is a long one. Uh, relatively long. Discussion about all sorts of stuff. All things. Takeru. And if you stick round for the whole episode, we talk a lot about one championship at the end. Um, the issues of one championship. Potential fight between Rod Tang and Takeru. So, you'll want to stay tuned for that. After this. <laughs> Right, so as per the intro, I'm here with Baba. He's been on the podcast before when we spoke about the match last year. We are colleagues going a long way back and friends even longer. It seems that Takaru always brings us together. So, uh, Baba, for those that don't know you, please give yourself a very small introduction and let the listeners know what you're all about. Yes, hi, everyone. And thank you, Carl, for having me again. I'm really, I'm really happy about that. So I'm Baba, and uh, I'm a former Muay Thai and kickboxing fighter. I'm a coach. I've been a coach for like 15 years now, something like that. But uh, I've been a coach like permanently for like two years now. And of course, you host a French language podcast about kickboxing yeah, yeah. as well. Uh, with Luca Bourdon, like everyone knows about uh, Luca Bourdon on Twitter. So uh, this is my friend, and we have a podcast together called Au Bord du Ring, which means ringside. And indeed, if you are a uh, French-speaking listener and you have not 
uh, sign up to that podcast. You've got to do it. I've got to tell you, once I did try to listen to it, just to see if there's anything I could pick up. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's, for someone who's stupid of myself, it's just not going to work. But as I say, Takaru brings us together. But there's for anyone that listened to my podcast at the weekend, I did talk about a little bit about what I would describe as a fiasco. Um, yeah. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. That's why we're here today. Um, the There was a fight, uh, a fight card this past weekend, um, as I say, was covered on episode 50 of Combat Chronicles in small detail by myself, only based on hearsay on social media. Obviously, some guys that yeah. I know and trust have told me some things, but mainly it seemed that this French fight card, I believe in Paris, with uh, Takaru and Taiju and Tiger coming over from uh, K1, although uh, Takaru is now uh, free agent and uh, uh, Taiju's fought in uh, Rise as well, and you know, yeah. etc. You know, basically a host of quality Japanese fighters coming over. And it appears that, well, the English phrase is that the French could not piss, uh, organize a piss up in a brewery, that everything went wrong. It seemed that there was issues with ticketing, with uh, ringside officials, etc. We're going to get to that in a minute but first yep. Baba could you give the listeners a little introduction on MTGP Muay Thai Grand Prix this promotion they obviously host kickboxing and Muay Thai are they big in France I think maybe the listeners don't understand that kickboxing and Muay Thai in France is actually quite a big sport whereas in most countries it isn't is that fair to say it's absolutely fair to say like Muay Thai and kickboxing are very big always been big for like 30 years now in, uh, in France and the MTGP is like a bit young because but also a bit old because before that it was like one organization then two organizations that merged together okay to do the mtgp right but uh that before that they were called dual and uh, before that again they were called simply a wicked one like the sponsor you know so uh the the promoter is uh, actually a former teammate of mine so we were fighting together at the same club back in the days, 20 years ago. And uh, yeah, I don't know exactly how it came to, you know, uh, do the MTGP with the, the London guy, Philippe Thieu. But uh, anyways, they, they came together and they were down for like maybe four to five years. They are doing shows in France and in England also, but also in other countries like uh like like they said so it's been it's been quite some time and and yeah they, they're like they're not like they're not the biggest pro organization in france there are bigger organizations but they are the organizations that trust uh young fighters it's a very good organization for up-and-coming fighters in france actually so that's how the how people see see them if you want to see the the new talent you go to an mtgp that's perfect. So for a, I'm going to say for a, a Muay Thai fan, but how many of us are actually Muay Thai fans? But it's kind of the equivalent of maybe like Omnoy Stadium where you get like the prospects coming through and every so often they match them against a veteran you might have heard of to see if they're ready yeah. to take that next leap. Yeah. Well, in this instance, yeah, yeah. we actually had some, you know, we had a superstar come over, which you would never get in Omnoy Stadium. That would never happen, but we had a yeah. real superstar. So you were on the ground. You were covering the event. You were very vocal on, on social media um, in terms of sharing the questions. You were at the presser. You obviously got to meet Takaru and the fighters. Did um, How was that experience? Did you learn anything about the promotion? Did you learn anything from the fighters beforehand that you think the listeners want to know? And um, before we get onto the issues, did, it, did any alarm bells go off for you in, in the presser or before the show? 
Well, about uh, about the, the the pressure and me and Lucas covering the event. It like I said, I was I'm a former teammate of Eric, the promoter of the MTGP, but we were not specifically on on, on on we don't talk on the regular basis like we didn't talk for a while but as soon as i heard that Takuru was fighting in france obviously i get i got in touch with him and uh to see if i could cover the event with luca he wasn't aware of my podcast that's honest because we don't do much advertisement for the podcast actually but uh, he was very happy that someone with knowledge of the Japanese scene was eager to cover the event. So he gladly obliged. And we were very happy about that. About the pressure, well, uh, like you, you've known me for quite some time now, Kyle. I'm not, I don't think I'm a show off. <laughs> but I will say that uh, I was basically the only person asking questions at that presser. It that seems that way. It seems that but, way. This is this is what happened because very few people were aware that it was Takeru in the room. Like the the for for most people it was just a Japanese fighter that they saw on the TV sometimes on, on video YouTube sometimes. So uh, I asked question to questions to do to the ESTR president too. He was he was glad that I asked question about about the belt and things like that but um at the pressure there wasn't there wasn't like maybe there wasn't you know something wrong or er anything weird because there wasn't anything involved but the fighters the promoters and uh and the other and, and the press but there wasn't like press maybe it was like 10 people me, me and luca included so at this stage the only problems were you know the usual french problems Translation. Like, a lot of fighters are arriving a bit late. Okay. And you could see that it was maybe the, the, the Japanese crew was starting to get a bit, you know, annoyed about the French customs. <laughs> of, of course, because in late. Japan, everything is on time. Exactly. Everything so, is on time. So it was a bit weird, but as I was asking questions, like after that, after the pressure, the Abima ladies, the Abima lady came to me and asked for an interview. I'm still looking for the video. <laughs> I, still, I looked I for you. I, I have looked for you as well. And for those that are not aware, Abima are uh, they? I've said this before on the podcast, but they're a huge Japanese streaming yeah. site. They have Rise, uh, One Championship, uh, K1, and they hosted the match. And they have an exclusive deal for Takaru's fight. So they were broadcasting yeah. this in Japan. And that's important for later. Exactly. That they, they were there, so they they were a bit pissed, but they still interviewed me. At that stage, they were still like happy to be there and uh, curious about the event and all of that. And uh, you know, so at this stage, again, not really big problems. Cool. No, no, nothing important as well. You said you spoke to the ISK guy because they were sanctioning the belts. Um, the main event between Takaru and Bailey Sogden was for an ISK championship. Um, say what you want, but they seem to have a championship for every type of stand-up fight and you could possibly find that yeah. involves feet and punches. So um, they may be important uh, later as well. So obviously next question is how did it seem on the day? Because I've had ticket holders tell me that they were unaware that the Japanese fighters would be on hours before the start time. On the ticket, the time said 18.30 local time. The actual event started a lot earlier because they had to accommodate Japanese broadcaster Abima. Apparently, some people did receive an email from the um, uh, from the uh, event holder to say, "Actually, come earlier because the the Japanese yeah. fights are going to start earlier." 
Um, but from what we could tell, it seemed that there was hardly anybody in the arena when the fight started. So is that correct? Uh, like for the for the start of the event, they they said about they, they talked about that on the on the Instagram a lot about the about the fact that uh, the people should come early but i don't i i, I don't even see uh, a ticket myself so i i, I couldn't course, compare if, if what was written about it uh i just assumed myself that uh, again uh, the the second part of the card uh, is was filled with french fighters fighting each other a lot of upcoming commerce and uh, so a lot of people were, were excited about that and uh, i think they really they they really assume that um, the first fights maybe even if even though if there was japanese in there because they don't know about them maybe they they, they just thought they would skip it but also uh, on saturday there are a lot of people that are still working actually so i think a lot of people couldn't made it before 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 okay. like before eight, probably but um it has to do with the fact that a lot of people were not aware that this was really like superstars coming on in France. Like we were not a lot that were aware of that. So I don't know. Probably, I think uh, they started to inform people about the fact that there basically were two cards. They started to inform people too late, probably in TGP. And they, they didn't do a good job about informing all people to, to come early they should have done i don't know videos something maybe go all social medias everywhere but i don't know what why the what what is that and um, also in france a lot of shows they ask you to come at like uh, 5 p.m and the show already starts at 7. so people probably didn't trust the promotion about that because right. most of people didn't knew that um the show what broadcasted live on Abima TV. So probably it's, it's trust issues, like for, for the most yeah, part. Yeah, I mean, but uh, the, you... I, I would say that there were probably like a thousand to a thousand and a half people. Okay, okay. For, yeah. Okay. Um, next question. I assume that the only Japanese people were the entourage with the fighters, or was there actually Japanese fans in attendance? I'm, I'm sure yes, people there were. There were, yeah. I was surprised. Yeah, there were uh, like probably. 30, 30, 30, 40 uh -huh. max. Yes. But they were there. They were there, yeah, yeah. with flags and everything. And uh, yeah, they were cheering about Takeru. And uh, it seems like uh, there was, the word was was given by, uh, I don't know if this, if it's the Japan embassy or from someone from the Japanese, you know, uh, uh, from this match, you know, like. For residents, exactly. yeah. But uh, it seems like they got the word about it, that Takeru was fighting in France, so. Uh, See, that's why they come, but well, yeah, probably 30, 30 to 40 people. This is not a very interesting question, and I know you weren't you, you were attending as press, but do you know what the ticket price was? Was it expensive or any idea? Not really, not really. Uh, like the, the like lowest 50 euros or something, no, the, the lowest was like 35 euros. Okay, okay, yeah, the lowest was 35, and uh, the highest was probably I don't know, but probably 100 euros, something like that. So the atmosphere seems pretty good, but did, as you know, and you may have seen it online, I don't know if you were checking your phone during the event, if there was reception, but everyone realised there was something wrong. Um, yeah. 
during the show watching it um on the stream because it was it was on abima uh, a pay-per-view i think but also on fight tv so uh english uh, speaking viewers were watching so i'm sure some people had a stream i think we should support yeah. smaller promotions myself i don't really understand streaming something when we're trying to you know support these promotions um but you know people realize there was a problem but i'm going to talk about quickly the summary of how we fought on the day and then I'm going to ask you what it seemed like in the arena. And then we're going to talk about what we know now. So on the day, it seems that rounds are running really long. It seems that, um, and we're going to talk about the fights in a minute. Um, the rounds were running really long. It seemed there was no there was no communication between the timekeeper and the referee because there was no bow. I think we uh, later found out that it was stuck in traffic, which is typical Paris. I'm sure you would agree. Um, yep. But it seems that the, the rounds were running for minutes longer did it seem like that in the arena or did it, or are you aware that during the referee breaks that the clock would stop? Is that something which is typical? So, yeah, about the rules, I know that uh, when the ref says break at the table of the officials, they stop the time. I know that because I fought in France and I'm, coach, I'm a coach in France, so I know that. But people don't know about that. And usually... The speaker says that says says to the to the crowd that time stop or maybe something like that. They they, they talk about that. So, but nobody talked about it. So, like people noticed about the bell immediately at the first amateur fight, the very first round, they were like, there, "There's no bell." So you could you could hear the the, the supervisor of the federation, the French federation, yelling to Paul Nichols, "Time, time out." You know, so uh, we were like, should be should be a problem. And um, about the time, I would say that uh, the second round, I don't, I don't, I didn't, uh, I didn't keep the time for that fight. But the, the second round between the Taiga and the, and Paul was long. It felt long for where for, for where I stood. Actually, it, it it seemed long. So I think people noticed. And uh, for the bell, for the bell, yeah, yeah, well, that that was crazy because um, as soon as I understood that there was no bell, I went to the promoter and I went to the French Federation to tell them to, you know, um, I asked them to use their mobile app instead and take the mic from the speaker and the, and the mobile app so that everyone could be aware of the ring and everything. But as the French Federation is, they're, they're, they're very, you know, narrow-minded people. And they said no. They said no. They said that the, the bell is coming. It's stuck in traffic. But I know the traffic, the Saturday in Paris, at that time of the day, it's 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 a murder. You know, it's it's crazy. It's crazy traffic. So, so yeah, nobody was able to, to know when the, the bell was coming. And usually, the rules within the Federation are like, if there's no bell, there's no fight. Of course. But, but the Japanese, do we have exactly. nobody stops for the Japanese? Exactly. They were they were putting a lot of pressure so the fights go on. Actually, the the, the Japanese were a bit mad that uh, there was an amateur fight before the Japanese fight because it was very late in Japan, I understand. Yes. So uh, so yeah, they, they 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 believed that the first fight would be immediately Taiga, 
and there was like this amateur fight with pads and shin pads and all things on and we were like whoa this is crazy you know like, well as we know in japan in japan we have completely separate events exactly the events or the, you know, the amateur events we have completely separate events so it would have seemed strange um for them for sure um you know yeah. this is just different uh cultural things i mean it's crazy that you and I, we always speak about this stuff, but it's so great that um, when you see these cultures clash in kickboxing, it's yeah. great. It's really great because we want to yeah. see all these different cultures matching up with each other. And now we have this and it's like, oh, fuck, it's not going very well. It's like uh, an awkward date or something, you know, the Japanese, like what's going on. But to, to explain to people at home uh, that are not uh, unaware, uh, are not aware of the sort of idiosyncratic nature of Japan, they had to, the train company last year had to, provide a public apology for a train that was eight seconds early yeah. a train is early they have to bow <laughs> and say sorry so for a for a fight event to be stopped because of no bow and for a bow to be stuck in traffic for the japanese uh organizers for the japanese people that you know arrange with the promoter the handlers of takaru it is unthinkable this would never yeah. happen everything would be on time so you have this conflict straight away. And it's good to know that obviously you came up with a solution. It's very bad to know that it was not accepted um, by the French commission. Just quickly, is there a, is it like Japan where the the JBC, the Japanese boxing commission also uh, mediates on kickboxing or does France have a separate commission for Muay Thai kickboxing and Western boxing? No, uh, for, for like, for the last 10 years or so, you have the French the French Boxing Federation is only boxing and always been boxing for like four decades or something like that. Uh but for like 10 years or maybe maybe a bit more, we have got a federation for um Muay Thai, kickboxing, and uh karate and all of that. This is one federation. And um but even though the this federation, this version of the, the of the federation is like 10 years old. This is the same guys that were in the old Muay Thai federations. This it's been the same guys for the last thirty years, probably. So they should know. They should know better. They know about it. They know about that. But for the thirty years, they still. They, this is the same. I'm sorry for my language, but uh, this is the same decades for the like thirty years. You can't talk about it. you. This is not. You can communicate with them. It's not possible. You but you do have to apologize for language on my show, man. You can call everyone an FNC dickhead <laughs> bullshit. I don't care, man. This is this. Is, I, I'm just more surprised that you swore. Um, but you don't have to apologize. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, because I was very pissed. It's 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 very. I, I was pissed off because, you know, uh, like MTGP is like, they they're cool guys. They're cool guys and they're trying to do good stuff. And the 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 French Federation fuck ups, uh, gives a bad name to the MTGP. Yes, also That's as well, also as well, you've got, and I said before, it's, it's still a small audience, but you've got new eyes on the on the promotion, on the product, people yeah. that are paying for pay-per-view, as I say, whether they're streaming it, paying pay-per-view, whatever, fans that wouldn't normally watch this promotion, fans of J-Kick, which um, for listeners that are just checked in for this one that don't normally listen to kickboxing yeah. episode is, you know, the fans online name for Japanese kickboxing, MTGP have a great opportunity. And people exactly. are going to come away watching this, exactly. going, oh, "I won't buy another one of their events. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Not going to watch them again." Absolutely, and uh, that's why uh, you can ask Lucas about it about about that. the The whole like the whole three days, I was trying to warn everyone 
from MTGP and from the Federation. Listen to me. This is uh, Japanese superstars. This is Japanese TV and uh, with all the customs of the Japanese. They're, they're very professional. And right now, what, what we're showing is unprofessional. So we need to step up. We need to step up because this is a huge opportunity for MTGP to bring like good fighters, not only open commerce, but good fighters from everywhere to, 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 to fight for them. So that's that's why I was I was really frustrated about that because uh, I, I like again ask Lucas because I was I didn't I don't think I I had a seat I, I sit I sat down for more than ten minutes the entire night I was always up and running and trying to fix things because I I wanted I wanted you know so to 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 leave that France and the French promotions is a good. Uh, a good account of themselves, but I would say that uh, the most, the the, the great, the, the the great mistake lies solely on the on the federation soldiers. But even though he's a friend and I, I told him about that, uh, MTGP should have should have done better. Should have should have been, you know, I don't know how to say that, but they should have known better. Actually, I did. I don't think they were aware of the magnitude of the fighters they brought to France. Well, here's the thing as well. We're seeing um, recently with kickboxing is actually in a pretty good place. We're seeing more fighter sharing more than ever. K1 and Rise working together. We're seeing uh, Rise and Infusion working together. Um, You know, if this event went really well, with all these prospects, we're going to see invites. You send your fighters over to Japan or you send your fighters to fight in Infusion. We'll send fighters to you. It helps everyone for everyone to work together. And we've got this amazing opportunity with names when when I let's be honest, go back a little bit, right? Yeah. You would have known before most people, and I think actually I did hit you up and say, is this true? But when the rumors came out that Takeru yeah. was gonna fight in Paris, we could not believe this to yeah. like say to have a superstar, but also he is Japan's favorite son. For him to agree, obviously he had some fights in Thailand when he was younger, but to agree on the first fight of free agency to fight in France. This opened up a whole new world for the whole sport. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, you fucked it up. And here's the thing as well. One championship seemed to be fucking it up as well because he's pissed off. Yeah, he's pissed off. We'll talk about that in a second. We're going to talk about two fights because and, and it's a running joke on the podcast that I'm, I'm making fun of Tiger. But also he had a very yeah. late notice. He had a late <laughs> notice opponent. So not too much to talk about there. But um, what I want to talk about two fights. One is a shocker for me, but it won't be for you. Um, and we're going to talk about that one first. The young French kid, Alexis Sautron, knocking out Taiju Shiratori. We'll call him Taiju for the rest of the podcast. Yeah. Taiju, um, a fight I'm not always high on. Um, he's a long uh, punch picker, boxing first stylist, really. Comes from Muay Thai, but has boxed. Um, good body puncher, um, but gets involved too much. He's not that great defensively. He's quite upright, um, but still a big name, a well-known fighter. But you know about this kid, Alexis Sautron. We're going to yeah. talk about how the fight went in terms of the controversies with the round in a, in a moment. It seemed on the day that the, the second round had overrun by over a minute. We now know that's not the case. Um, yeah. But right on the bell, on the second round, steps in, jams a kick, switches stance, catches Taiju with a right hook from Southpaw stance. He's a orthodox fighter generally, I believe, yeah. but I did see switch hitting during the fight. Jams the kick, steps forward, catches him knocks Taiju out 
shocker because, of course, the Japanese come over. We expect them. It's like an exhibition for them. What did you think? Did you you obviously know this kid? You you're going to tell us about his background. I think you you uh, seen him train over the years, etc. Tell us about him. Were you shocked? Uh, I won't say that I wasn't shocked, but I knew there was a strong possibility that Alexis either knocked knocked him out or hurt him bad because I knew he's a he's a strong fighter who packs. Is, a, he, is, a, he, is punch. he a big puncher? Is he a big puncher? Yeah, not big puncher, but good puncher. Okay, a solid puncher, solid puncher, solid fighter, uh, on all in all, and is uh, is powerful because he's uh, powerful and. Um, to be completely honest, uh, maybe maybe I will be disappointing to some Japanese uh, J-Kick fans, but uh, Alexi, yeah, I, I know Alexi because he's a young fighter from my area. So I I, I seen him fight for since he was like 10 years old, from, from probably like that. And he was always uh, a good, promising fighter. Uh, he had a, a rough year actually this year because he had one of two defeats, but still have great results. He went uh, a few times to the IFMA championships. Uh, he, he won some medals over there and uh, he fought in Thailand a lot. He fought in Max Mueta, he fought uh, and, and things like that. So he's young, but he's experienced. And uh, the fact that uh, outside of France, n- nobody knew him. Nobody knew him, and uh, I knew it was at its advantage. And the last piece of advantage he got was probably for me again, <laughs> because as you know, I know about Jakey a lot. I know about mm-hmm. Taiju, and I saw Alexi and I work from the sa- uh, work from the for the same gym actually, from day to day. We work in the same place, so we talk up. We we talked about it, and uh, we talked about the fact that if he was in Taiju's face from the first round. And if he was able to learn something big, Taiju would be in doubt. It would be. And um, we knew the second thing, the, the, the most critical thing is like when Taiju has a wonder of a left kick, a very good left kick. But the problem is when he kicks with his left kick, he doesn't bring his hand up after the kick. Always, always keep it down. And uh, we told me and the coaches of Alexi, we told we told him the the opportunity will be there. You would be able to to land a punch, a good punch. To say that we expected him to fold Taiju like that, no, no, I didn't take. I probably yelled when it happened, <laughs> but uh, yeah, 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 it was it was great. I knew he could do well, uh, have the victory like uh, by decision and thing like that. Uh, for him to to win by knockout is is awesome, pretty awesome, yeah. It reminded me of the uh, when Taiju represented Rise against Gonapa in the yeah. match last year. Similar thing, short right hook, um, southpaw stance, knocked him out, and that was in the first round. But of course, Gonapa, well known as a veteran and a big puncher, yeah. so it was very, very impressive. And Alexis is going to have great opportunities going forward. I have no doubt. I would not be surprised for him to be invited to Japan because um, that was very impressive. And as I say, it happened on. Japanese media as well. So, have you had a chance to speak to him after the fight? Is he is he buzzing? Is he excited? I was speaking to him like an hour ago, actually, and uh, yeah, yeah, he was very excited. But the thing is, the funny thing is, uh, if it wasn't for me or Luca, uh, he really wasn't aware that he knocked out a great fighter. He knew he was a good fighter, but he didn't knew that he was that like a superstar in Japan. 
and uh, he wasn't aware that knocking Taiju out will would open him the, the gates of Japan really probably most likely will fight in K1 or in Rise or I don't know but he should fight in Japan probably so uh, I thought about him uh, I, I told him about that and he was really excited he's willing to to rematch Taiju actually if Japan is going to have him he's, he would be very pleased to go to Japan and uh, rematch Taiju for a belt or, or something like that and he's very happy he can't wait to 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 see what that fight will bring to him just quickly as well did they did the japanese say uh we're bringing taiju have you got an opponent for him and they just picked this kid or did they say oh we want a easy fight or did they say you know did they ask for an opponent or did it just get was it natural matchup no no they they, they, asked, they, they really trust the mtgp for the matchup actually they said bring bring a fighter every like any fighter Bring, bring wow. a fighter, a good fighter. We want to make Love a good it. fight. And uh, a lot of French fighters were eager to, to to get that fight. And actually, when it was announced that it was Alexi that got that fight, a lot of people in France were like, uh, he's not deserving of the matchup. Oh, wow. They, they would say like, maybe he's not at that, at that level because he lost his fight like a month ago, you know, and uh, he was stopped a month ago. Uh, like, a little uh, two months ago, actually, he was stopped two months ago because he, he received some, uh, you know, some shots to ground, and uh, he was uh, and he was forced to quit. But uh, yeah, a lot of people like uh, thought it would probably be uh, Elias Mamoudi, who's fought who fought a lot in one, yeah. and um, so yeah, 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 it was a bit, uh, it it was a bit of an upset that uh, Alexi landed the fight, but uh, the promoter was very confident that he would do a great fight against Taiju. And it's I a shame, then, isn't it? Because matchup. it's a shame because the matchup's paid off, but of course, all the stuff surrounding it has not. Yeah. And it does turn out, I think that maybe that round was maybe 10, 20 seconds too long, yeah. but it wasn't minutes. Um, because yeah. a lot of people were saying, Oh, I told you, he wouldn't have got knocked out so brutally if the timekeeper, okay, maybe that's the case. But overall, um, the fighters, and as you notice, you're not really always aware of the time. Yeah, Taiju's they were, they not were... like, Oh, fuck, come on, man, they got 20 seconds. Here. Yeah, they're fighting, they'll stop exactly. when they're told to stop. So, you know. Actually, right. they were both fighting. Actually, they were both fighting. Uh, I, for a fact, because I, I spoke to the both of them, and I was surprised I use understand of, uh, of, of, of English, because obviously I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> but I spoke to him a little bit. I spoke to Alexis. Both both didn't know about the time that were, were a bit longer. Okay. And Taiju actually was very classy about the loss and very, you know, he was very aware that he was losing the fight. Like, he, he was still actually, what he said is like, uh, he was still rattled from the first round. Yeah, of course. This, those down. aren't aware, he was knocked down in the first round as well. Yeah. Really competitive exactly. fight though throughout. It was not one-sided. Um, yeah, yeah, really, I've tied you uh, punching into the knees and um, as I say, really uh, aggressive uh, body punching. Tried to walk uh, Alexi he down. Hurt. He hurt Alexi to the body. Alexi told me that he was very badly hurt to the body, actually. Well, talking about being very badly hurt to the body, the main event, Takaru versus Bailey Sugden. Bailey came out strong, but as we know, Takaru is always a bit of a slow star. Um, you can hit him early, but once he gets the calf to kick down and starts walking you down, once you decide to engage with him, once you decide to exchange with him, the fight is over. And I yeah. think once you decide to, there's a huge difference between lateral movement, defensive movement and conceding ground. And yeah. once you concede ground against Takaru, you're fucked. It's over. 
once he starts walking you down, it's over. And maybe from the end of round one or maybe middle of round two onwards, once the knockdown started, Takaru was walking Bailey Sugden down and he was terrifying. Uh, I spoke to your co-host, uh, Luca Bourdon, and he yeah. said that in person, Takaru's body punches were one of the two hardest he'd ever heard. Is that what it felt like? The only man uh, I uh, I saw in person hitting harder to the body is Tyrone Spong. But I was not aware, a, a was not like... heavyweight, heavyweight, uh, exactly. long-time exactly. K1 kickboxer. But it felt, it felt the exact same. It's 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 terrifying. But the, the most terrifying thing is not, to me, it's not the body punching, is it's the way he puts the pressure on the fighter. In person, you, you get under the impression that he's going to put pressure on you, actually, because he's that close to the ring, and uh, he puts the pressure non-stop, non-stop, non-stop. And you, because you're able to feel the, the, the impact of the blows. Yeah. I mean, I don't really makes you think. <laughs> Everyone says this on Twitter about a lot of, fight of fighters. Makes you think how good tension is. This is what I thought uh, to yes. myself. This is what I thought myself. Because to be able to sustain that kind of pressure, you must be like, not just good, you have to be crazy good. You have to be above above elite. This is my take on this. It is really, really impressive. And uh, I was thinking also, uh, what 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 was it like to 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 witness like a fight of Takeru, but uh, I don't know, five years, uh, five years younger. But I'll tell you what, he still looked in great condition. He's yeah. um again yeah. for those that are not aware, he hasn't fought since the match. He's been very sporadic in his fight in any way. This is his third fight in three years. He fought Leona Pettis, obviously, uh, then attention last year, and then this one. Um, but he looked in great condition. He had the famous the gladiator shorts, he looked really, really good. Um, he still looks so durable, he's so still yeah. so yeah. strong. Yeah. He is just you cannot stop this guy, which is crazy because as you say, tension running him onto that left hand in the first round of their fight, yeah. dropping him. However, we saw five rounds in this. Uh, again, we thought that maybe it run long. Uh, in the end, Takaru prevailing by brutal, brutal head kick knockout. I bet that sounded crazy in close. Um, I mean, obviously, you've seen a lot of fights over the years, but my God, that one sounded like it cracked. Um, but um, yeah, I think um, people are going to think now, what if the tension fight was five rounds? And I think it's yeah. a shame. Because he's still got that five-round engine. I mean, actually, over the years, Takaru has never really fought five rounds because in K1, it's not five rounds. Actually, Tenshin yeah. has fought more five-round fights. But everyone wanted to see that fight be five rounds. It was felt that it would favour Takaru. And actually, well, now, he does look strong over five rounds. Absolutely. I think so. I think so, yeah. Absolutely. He, he was stronger. He was getting stronger as the fight progressed. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What was really interesting about the fight is that, you know, the, as everyone knows, if you attack the body, the head will fall. But Bailey Sugden from maybe round two or three onwards, he was really reliant on head movement because his hands, or we talk about the body punching, his hands were so low. He was so wary in them body punches. He was almost doubled over in pain. Like, um, do you think that maybe the corner should have stopped it sooner? What would you have done? You're oh, a yeah, yeah. man. You're a coach. You oh, yeah. It. Definitely. I was, uh, actually, I was right behind the, the, the English corner. So I was waiting. But the first thing I noticed that, is that there there wasn't really a towel to 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 be thrown up so but they they, they never considered it never just quickly as well I'm not criticizing the corner but at the beginning of the third round he'd already been hurt there was a part when Takaru was following him and I heard the corner man shout he's not doing anything yeah. I mean yeah he is he's being fucking scary he's walking you down you you have to fight fire for fire with Takaru, but you've got to be smart. We said about tension, yeah? You've got to pick your shots, pick your moments well. You can be crazy like Leona Pettis and fight fire and maybe win. But Bailey Sugden's yeah. not that kind of fire. He was good in glory. He wins some, lose some. He's a good British fighter. I think he's a, he's a, he's a good operator. But Leona Pettis is a dangerous fighter. He is so focused. He's an elite-level fighter, yeah? yeah? If you're going to fight yeah. Takaru, fucking, you know and uh, go at him like that. You've got to be elite. You can't do it. And if you're going to get away from him, you've got to be smart. And Bailey Sugden, he just ran out of ideas quickly. He kind of threw the kitchen sink at Takaru. And as we know, he must have thought, oh, I'm doing quite well here. Like a lot yeah. of fighters do. You get confidence against Takaru early. And then as soon as he hits you back, it's a whole different world. And like you said, like the, the power in uh, in person, if it seemed that big, then I just let this is it's really harsh to say, but there's levels to this. There's levels. Yeah, yeah. There, 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 there is levels to this. Uh, at the presser, I asked uh, Bailey about uh, about the fight and uh, about the fact that uh, everyone was expecting him to lose, and uh, maybe must not be a good feeling. But uh, I'm pre- I was pretty sure he was planning on the upsetting uh, Takeru and. Uh, the answer was quite interesting because he talked about the fact that it was a 
Takeru party in the in social medias and uh, he was willing to ruin the party so probably Diego was Diego was probably involved but after the third round it was really obvious that the Takeru was walking him down and was finding his shots and he was hurting him very bad to the body. And as you said, even though uh, Bailey was protecting his body as much as he could, he was taking tremendous blows to the body. And uh, it was he was hurt. He was visibly hurt. And But yeah, the only thing corner was shouting is uh, like, yeah, toughen up and uh, he's not doing anything and you're winning the fight because you're ducking most of the, of the head punches so i myself as a coach would have stopped it in the fourth round but maybe if um, bailey's corner uh, listen to the podcast they would say i'm a bitch probably i don't know but this is the way i protect my fighters and uh, it was very obvious in the fourth that uh, bailey was hurt to the body he was hurt to one of his arm of his shoulder or something like that he was in pain he was in great pain. It was, and he was able to to defend himself with his right arm. And, and he couldn't hurt his opponent. Because... And he couldn't hurt his opponent. So why is yeah. he in there? And he, he got knocked out because he wasn't able to raise his, his right arm. He couldn't raise it anymore, and that's why he got knocked out. So, and Takeru is not the fighter to you know slow down in the fifth. Like uh, my fat, my fat is worn, and uh, I I don't want to hurt you. And we're oh, gonna yeah, yeah. like exchange. He's a killer. No, Takeru He's a killer. He's going to kill you if he can. And he tried to kill him every minute of the fight. And finally, you know, he got the knockout. So, yeah, that was uh, everyone in the crowd. Not everyone, like I wasn't listening to everyone. But most of the people around me were questioning, were asking, why? why You have to throw the troll. You have to throw it. You have to stop that fight. And also, Paul Nichols, he should have, you know, uh, the referee. At what point I was I, the referee? Yeah. yeah I, I, at what point I, I asked? I asked myself uh, if if he was allowed to to do a standing head count because he wasn't uh, going to 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 do that, and I, I didn't understand why. Because at one point in the third or maybe the fourth round, like Billy took maybe ten, twelve punches, and answered. And still no count, so I don't, I don't know, I don't understand. It was, it was a bit weird because, yeah, they should have done better, I think, the ref and the and the corner. Bailey was really brave. You got to give him that. I know yeah. Luca always says if you say someone's brave, that means yeah. they didn't do anything else. But that's not true. He did try. He tried to walk Tekeru down early. And as I say, if you, I'm sure he's aware of him as a fighter. I'm sure he done his research. But we've seen lots of fighters in the past have early success and think. Oh, I'm doing well here. It's just a bit of a slow starter. It takes maybe 30 seconds, minute to get warmed up, Takaru. He finds his range and then he feels comfortable enough to start trading with you. But, you know, yeah. I, I don't think Bailey Sugden should feel hard done by. He he was taking on a much more um, respected fighter and he took his beating well. And, you know, he tried. He yeah. did try. And a lot of fighters, we've seen a lot of fighters fight Takaru and fold under that pressure. So, and it, actually he fought nearly five rounds of him. So, Big respect yeah, for that. Yeah. I don't want to... We're not, not saying... Respect. Yeah, not saying... But I wouldn't last five seconds in there with Takaru. So 
guy last five rounds. So this is absolutely no disrespect to to Dubey. He's, he's a warrior actually, and uh, they they did great. He had a great first round, a very good second round, but then the superior fighter took command, and uh, there was no way. Bailey would knock him out with one punch or something like that. So, so yeah. But credit to him, credit to him because he, he was great. And also huge credit to to Paul who fought Tiger because he fought Tiger on two days' notice, and I was there yes, when they asked him to fight. So they asked him to fight at the presser. So yeah, huge credit to to Paul. He's a, Absolutely, he's a, yeah. A so great guy, it. very nice guy. Yeah. Also. I don't, I don't think the fight's worth too much analysis, but yeah, absolutely to take that fight late notice against Tiger who's a well-known fighter and is for yeah. everyone. Yeah. You know, respect for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Talking about um, Takeru, we talk about you know, what he seemed like in person. You've seen so many great fighters in person. You mentioned Tyron Spong earlier. I know you see yeah. Sam Kaur. I know you've seen loads of great Thai fighters. Did you fight in Thailand too? You fought in Thailand, didn't you? Yeah. They ripped yeah, you yeah, off. Yeah. No, they do every fillet. They ripped you off. They pay you some, they pay you some, <laughs> they pay you some beer to fight. You don't even drink. Brilliant. Um, you the, fight in Japan. The first fight, you fight in Japan I got well. drinks here. You fight in Japan as well. No, not in Japan. No, it's probably for Thailand, yeah. So yeah. you've seen a lot of great fighters. Maybe you can tell us some more. But tell me, where does Takaru rank in terms of the best, not the greatest, but you know the best fighters you've seen up close? Uh, how many put would you put above him in terms of the quality that you that you saw? That that's a very hard one, guy. <laughs> oh no, that's why I throw it. But, at you. I know, I know. You want to? We get to talk about loads of different fighters now. Now you yeah, get to real yeah, fighters, yeah, and sure. we get to go. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have do. to split. I'd have to sleep on it. But like right now, I would say is is easily top fifteen and probably top ten. Most likely top ten. Yes. And, and, who, and who's the number one? And who's the number one? You must know who's the best you've seen in person. The best I've seen, obviously, was my former coach, Danny Bill. Oh, of course, Danny Bill. Of course, yeah, it's the best sense. also. But um, outside of Danny, because yeah, I'm I'm very biased about. about no, you're Danny. not. Just quickly, you're not biased. Everyone knows <laughs> that Danny. But if you see Danny Bill in on TV yeah. on YouTube, you know that you cannot fail to be amazed. A magician. Yeah, yeah, no, he's very great. But uh, outside of him, uh, probably the best. The best would be Namsak Noy. Namsak Noy, yeah, another great yeah. choice as well. Yeah, another yeah. great choice. I saw well. Senshai, but no, I'm biased actually because I'm a fan of, of Namsak Noy. Senshai, obviously, is yes, like a great fighter, but yeah, it's a very interesting question because uh, there, there, there isn't a lot of fighters that really impressed me like that. Like, every every fighter at that level is very good, even, even those who lose, they're all very good. They're all, like, uh, the uh, we we discussed it uh, in your podcast uh, earlier, but um, I said I said that when I saw Andy Sauer fight, I wasn't a fan before. But when I saw him fight, I I, I became a fan because he was so good. And uh, Takeru, I was a fan. I'm a huge fan of Takeru, and uh, he is one of the guys that impressed me the most. I, you you saw that you you see him fight on TV and you know he's crazy a crazy pressure fighter who can take a punch. But when you see that in live and you see the guy you stand behind uh, be, before him and everything like that is very very good. Yeah, it's probably Tom Tenya. Yeah, that's good. I'm sorry to put you on the spot there, but that's a good one, right? That's a good question. Right? <laughs> we got to talk about got to talk about great the greats. Question. So how about 
one championship then. We mentioned earlier Takaru, you know. He seems pissed yeah. off already because even though uh, Chapri Sichodong, the head of one, uh, is apparently half Japanese, he doesn't seem to understand how Japanese customs work. He decides to sign one of the biggest fighters in striking and talk yeah. about how he's never fought anybody. You know, he's not he's not going to be a real top fighter till he comes to one. Well, Takaru is a company man who is devastated to have to leave K1. He loves K1. Yeah. He has spent his whole career trying to put K1 on the map. He is such a proud yeah. Japanese fighter who loves kickboxing, loves K1. Because, of yeah. course, differentiation. In Japan, K1 is, is K1. It's, well, we call it kickboxing, but they call Muay Thai kickboxing. So K1 is K1, right? So he loves it. Great way to annoy your new signing is to say that, oh, it's not that good over there. So he's already pissed off. And, of course, yep. Takaru signed because he was promised to fight with Rotang. Um, I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast knows who Rotang is. For me and you, it's crazy because he is like a crossover fighter now. More people talk yep. about Rotang than I would say any fighter outside of boxing and UFC. I think Rotang gets spoken about more than any yep. other fighter. Easy. The biggest name outside of UFC easy, easy. and boxing. Easy. Yep. So it's crazy for me and you to see that a tie fighter like that. But that's what Takaru was promised. That's what he wants to do. If I can't make K1 that big, if I can't beat Tension, let me beat the best striker outside of Japan. Yeah. Let me get some pride back. I want that fight. And Rotang is yeah. now on social media saying, yeah, Takaru's got to beat some people before I fight him. Where do you stand on this Rotang argument that's going on with all the Muay Thai connoisseurs right now, which is uh, Rotang doesn't want to fight any of the top ties. He's happy just to fight easier fights. He's happy to fight Farang. And do you think that he put in Takeru in that same bracket of that's too much. I don't, I don't need to fight. I'm a big star. Why do I need to fight these people? This is very disappointing for from Roteng. This is he was already disappointing for like one year or two because he's obviously the King Superlek and all five fathers. But I mean, I I I could understand where he was coming from about fighting Super Lake, about fighting Pan Payak and uh, all those Thai fighters because like, yeah, we're all ties and uh, all the stuff about that. Okay, no problem. But you called that Takeru when he wasn't available. When you knew he wasn't available, you called him out because you fought Tenshin, had a great fight with Tenshin, fantastic. You called out Takeru. Takeru probably like kept his name on the on his radar for years before he was able to. Like you said, as soon as he was a free agent, he push, he pursued the fight with sort of thing. And uh, now the fight is like the only thing logical that you can do for both guys next fight. You're like, no, uh, you, you need to get some wins first. Like is any random kickboxer around here. This is this is very disappointing. And uh, I, I, I sincerely hope that Chattery don't fuck this up because uh, uh, probably Takiru has to be the kind of guy who says, "If I'm not fighting your best guy, I'm not fighting at all." Takiru is so influential to, to do that. He's so influential. He go back to yeah, Japan yeah. and tell all Japanese fighters, "Don't sign there." Exactly, exactly. And uh, if it goes like that, yeah, it probably be a huge blow for one championship and re in its relationship with Japan. So. Um, I think they will fix this. I think I, I hope Roteng will come to his senses and realize this is the only fan that counts. Yeah, he's big. He's a big star right now. He can 
is only fighting fighters, is only fighting newcomers in one. Uh, he's been doing that for like the last five, six fights. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, I would say he had a great year, two years so. But now this is the great challenge everyone wants to see. This is the only logical challenge for him. And he needs to do that. He needs to do that. And everything other than Takeru versus Orotang as the next fight would be would be disappointing for us. And I think it would be devastating for for one, probably. And to play devil's advocate, although I completely agree with you, every single word, these ties, they fight each other. Like I know you said a minute ago about the ties not fight each other. They fight each other from being kids. Yeah. They fight their whole yeah. lives to get an opportunity like this to make money, which they never get. And now they've got it. Yeah. And I get Rod saying, saying, you know what? We don't need to fight each other now because we've done this a whole now we're on the big stage. Let's showcase our skills against the foreign fighters. Yeah. The problem yeah. is the other yeah. ties, the other ties are going, no, no, no. We're not got your money. Give me a chance. Give me a chance. And what he's saying is. Nah, fuck yeah. He's forgot where he's from. Where he's yeah. from, in the stadiums, they fight each other seven times. Yeah. They fight to prove who the best is. Now he's got the casual fans saying he's the best. He's like, my work is done. I'm a star. I understand to an extent, but he's treating, and I've got a theory for you in a second. I'm going to share. I keep sharing this. I'm going to annoy people with this, but I've got a little thing. Yeah. But he is treating Muay Thai like Floyd Mayweather treat boxing. It's not what Muay Thai is about. We, yeah. We've shielded yeah. these sports, kickboxing and Muay Thai, because the big money's never been there. We've shielded them from what is so wrong about boxing for years, picking and choosing fights. And now Rotang has the first start in years that Burkow was a star. And he was a, as big yeah. a star as Rotang. He never did this. He never did this. Never. He never did this. He fought actually, everyone. Actually, fought everyone. Actually, fought everyone. Actually, and we talked about it for on your podcast. Mm. He fought a young fighter who everyone didn't want to fight, and everyone knew was gonna be great. He fought Petrosian where, 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 when he wasn't. There's nothing to gain. There was nothing to gain. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. Again, this is I don't I don't understand uh, why why one thing is like that, and but I understand what you're saying. Like casual fans are are claiming the goat. Oh, mate, don't it makes me feel sick. I saw that, I saw that uh, quite a bit that said that it, it, this Rotang is the best Muay Thai fighter ever. Do you see like yesterday, so. Rotang is number one and Nong O is the second greatest of all time. Love yeah. both guys. Love love Nong O. Love him. Yeah. I've done for years. Saw him in person. Awesome. Talk about best fighters I've seen. I saw him in his prime in 2013 and that yeah. card was so stacked I barely even remember watching him fight. You know what I mean? Like, he was maybe the fourth or fifth best fighter on that card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and he was already great. That's how stacked Muay Thai was. But again, everyone was fighting everyone, yeah? But yeah. this is the thing. You've got these new fans and it's a really interesting debate because we've got the debate at the moment with the Muay Thai fans online because, um, and this is the little theory I'm going to bring up, they don't like the fact that one's version of Muay Thai does not necessarily favour the ties. I don't agree yeah. with that. But I do agree with the rule set. It's not the, it's not the small gloves. It's the lack of clinching. They don't want clinching. Absolutely. They don't want, yeah, Absolutely. which is fine. So I don't think it. they should call it four-ounce Muay Thai. I think they should just call it striking. It should be the World Striking Championship, yeah? Everyone, but it's more. easy. It's easy. People know the word striking from MMA now. 
Um, and essentially, that's what it is. It's like MMA striking because you're not having to clinch so much. It's the best strikers, but in four ounce gloves. It's more of an MMA rule set. It's kind of uh, it's it's determined on aggression. They want knockouts. They want crazy fights. The Muay Thai fans are annoyed because they're saying like, well, that means my favorite clinch fighter or my defensive, my female fighter would not be the best at one. But yeah. it's basically yeah, like a exactly. different. It's like a, it's like but it's like a different sport, really. It's like a different yeah. sport. And we need a little bit of adjustments. But the problem is as well, it's great for the fighters. It's great for us, the fans, to get to see these crazy, violent fights. It's great that it's brought in a casual audience. But as we know from being online for years, 75% of the casual audience is the dumbest person you've ever met. We've got fans now that have been into Muay Thai for six months that want to tell me and you who the greats are. And yet me and you would agree, and anyone who's into Muay Thai... We discover new greats all the time because there's so many. There's so yeah. many great fighters in history. Yeah. There are some that we watch a footage. Oh my god, who's this guy? Oh my god, he beat ten fighters that I've heard of, and I only heard about him yesterday. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's it's such a deep sport that even the big fans don't know everyone, and yet we got these yeah. kids coming in telling us Rod Tang is the greatest of all time. It's it's it makes no sense. Not at all, but it's been, you know, you've been uh, online for as long as I've been, and uh, it's always been like that, unfortunately, and always will be like that. So I don't even follow, I mean, that that close, but uh, this is uh, this is what mainstream br- brings to the to the table. But exactly. I know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't really mind. Uh, I let them do their education and uh, then see their tweets like four or five years. I saw the. I saw some. I saw some on Twitter like talking uh they are very they're they're much better educated about about the sport that uh, when they began and there was like very uh, negative about uh, about the fighters but uh this is the problem with rotang is that uh, this is i think for myself this is what uh lets him be comfortable with saying something like i won't fight takeru uh directly and uh, he really needs to to come to his senses uh the, the only thing we can all hope is that uh Chattery don't don't support that i hope i hope he, he grabbed his phone talked to Rontang, and told him to to get ready to fight takeru and no one else this is what i hope this is what we can only hope everyone and uh, if this is not happening then I can really see Takedu says, "All right, I'm not fighting for one. Thank you so much, and uh, and 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 see you later." Uh, one thing this is that's very important to to add is that one is actually uh, right now in the in a lot involved in a lot of contract disputes with fighters. Like Sami Sana was supposed to fight in the MTGP show, but one prevented it. Anissa Mexen was supposed to fight in MMA in France. But problem with the contract, Jimmy Viano also, and uh, other fighters. So, Chatri seems very content to, to to go to war, to contract wars with, with fighters. I hope, sincerely hope, this is not the case with Takeru. Wow, and, there's uh, the Abim, there's the Abim part of the situation, which is, yeah. we are running your shows. We will kill this contract. We will not pay you. We will not hope. We will not renew the contract. Good luck finding another Japanese broadcaster because they're the only Japanese broadcaster that are showing yep. outside of boxing on Fuji that are showing combat sports. 
and it's yep. the second biggest media market in the world. If Shapri is that stupid, and I'm not actually saying that he's not, he might actually be that stupid um, with some of his comments, yep. then yep. good luck. <laughs> the, some of the French guys, I feel bad for him, but they don't have the what they don't have what Takaru has, which is backing. You know, he's getting That's paid so nearly, nearly the best part of a million dollars per fight by Abima, not one. Yeah. By them. Yeah. So um, I hope the fight happens. It'd be interesting, of course, because I think we'd love to see Taka Rubin four ounce gloves throwing elbows. It'd be fantastic. Um, but also at the same time, they've got kickboxing in one as well. We can maybe see one fight per rule set. We can see these guys fight twice. I just hope to take it back to our last podcast. We don't have another situation like the match where this goes on and on and on. These guys are in yeah. but obviously Rotang is old for a Muay Thai fighter, but Takaru now in his thirties, he cannot be fucking around. Let's make the fight, let's see it happen and uh may the best man yeah. win. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And uh I don't think Takeru has in him to do the same thing as the match and uh, asking, asking, asking and yeah, not, not again. Not again. Not again. No. No. He wants to have a fight. The guy wants to fight. Isn't it refreshing for a guy that's had again the opposite of Rotang? He's had the big fights and now he's like, nah, okay, I'll just relax. Takaru always is on the hunt, wants to hurt someone. It's, yeah. it's, he's, he's, he's a very easy fighter to love. Very easy fighter to love. Uh, a yeah, fan favorite totally. for sure. And I'm so happy for you, you got to see him in person. And obviously, I'm really happy that you got to share that yeah, on this yeah. podcast. Is there any other little stories or anything you want to tell before you go from the show? Anything you think might be interesting or have, have we covered everything? No, no, we've covered everything. It was great. The Japanese crew was very cool. I got to see uh, Yasuhiro Kido, who I've got as my nemesis from Twitter for for a few years. I told him so, and he was uh, and, and he loved. We laughed about it. <laughs> I told him about it. So it was very funny, and uh, all of them were very kind. And uh, yeah, it was it was great. Um, it's it's very it's it's too bad that uh, big mistakes were made. But the French Federation again, uh, it's it need to be said, and it should have been better. And the MTGP should have should should have known better about uh, about doing everything they could to prevent uh, from the fuck ups that occurred. The, they, they should have they should have done better. I told Eric about this, and I will talk about this. But uh, if if they ever have the opponent or the opportunity to bring Japanese fighters or big fighters again, uh, he will. Give me a call sooner, and uh, we'll work together so 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 they don't make the same mistakes again. Absolutely, and I'm glad that you know for the fans of the sport that we be able to give them the true story. Obviously, you covered it in French on the podcast, and to, uh, for you guys to reach out, obviously we talk all the time, but for you guys to reach out and say, look, let's tell the story in English for everyone else. Now we can get yeah. rid of all the rumors, all the half truths. Now everybody knows the true story of what really went on this past weekend. Yeah. That's great, thank you, and, brother. Uh, as always, it's always been you. Always, always. Thank you, thank you for having me. And uh, always, always, Kyle. It's always good. And uh, we always say that uh, we want you to host a podcast in English between Lucas and us. So it's, uh, always great to talk uh, to talk with you. Well, we'll do it again soon. We'll we'll make sure we get next time. There's a fight we want to talk about, or we'll pick one of these Lumpini cards, or we'll pick our next big one card for sure. Takaru versus Rodsang. When that hopefully happens, we'll have all the boys on yeah. again. So let, let, let's do it more yeah. regularly, man. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Take it easy, brother. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. See you. Bloody brilliant, isn't he? There was Baba. You can follow him on Twitter at Baba Smears. B-A-B-A-S-M-I-R-S. 
And uh, if you want to follow the guy that we spoke about a million times on the podcast, our good friend Luca, he's Luca underscore Bourdon, L-U-C-A-S, Lucas underscore B-O-U-R-D-O-N. If you've listened to this podcast, I assume that you're already a fan of kickboxing and Muay Thai. You probably know who Takaru is. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you've heard me speak about him loads, retweet. Other people speak about him loads. If you're not, um, I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you want to get more into kickboxing and Muay Thai, definitely follow those two accounts I just said. Um, way more knowledgeable than I am about it. Um, you know, obviously I'm a fan of the sport for years, but those boys really are the gurus in my opinion. Uh, and I think you could just learn so much from them. There's great accounts as well. Uh, great content on the regular. Um, as you can tell, you know, Bubba, such a chill, smooth guy. And Luca, he's a bit more like me. He'll tell you to fuck off if he don't agree with you. So... You know, just perfect. You know, basically, you know, they're both halves of the of the French coin. You know, the I don't give a fuck style and the smooth, the smooth, cool French. So, give those boys a follow. Hopefully, you enjoy this episode. I just think that it warranted speaking about more. Um, obviously, I did cover it in episode fifty, but it really did need someone on the ground to give us the truth. And hopefully, with the reporting, uh, Beyond Kickboxing did some excellent reporting and uh, covered up. The inaccuracies that they'd heard um, with some excellent uh, on-the-ground reporting with the referee, who Bubba also mentioned in this podcast. Their reporting along with this episode should give everyone the full story, at least in the English language world, on what went down at Muay Thai Grand Prix this past weekend. And indeed, let's hope that Takaru versus Rod Sang happens sooner rather than later. Fucking, we can do it next month. Let's get that on. Let's get the boys back in to talk about it. Until then, though, there's plenty of fights coming up over the next month. A mixed bag and UFC card. We'll cover what we can, but, you know, all systems go for some extra stuff on the Patreon coming in the next week. And I've got some excellent guests that I've already recorded for the episode. It's an audio documentary episode coming soon only on the Combat Chronicles Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Combat Chronicles. The content of that episode will not be revealed until the episode drops and it's dropping in the next week to commemorate a very special anniversary. All I can tell you is the guests are great, the talking heads are great and the fight itself is one of the greatest moments in mixed martial arts history. So until then, follow me here, follow me on Twitter at CombatCR, tell your friends, let's get the word out there and let's get people watching more fights. That's what we love, right? So until next time, thanks for listening. Peace out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 